0: This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. So, This is the first one, like I said, of the series, I Love My Church. So, Father, I just thank you right now, and I ask you, God, help the people to hear your words, to hear your heart, Father. I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that already I declare any hindrances right now to be removed right now. I declare, God, that their ears will be open in their hearts to receive, God, your word, wisdom and knowledge and revelation, God, of a better walk with you, Father. And we thank you for it in advance already. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I already summed up with you, that every year our campuses do this. Now, we may not all do it in the same month, but we all do this every year. Uh, Some uh, may do it in September or October or November, but every year all of our campuses all do this teaching to help to do the same thing, amen, Uh, because uh, we want The church to focus on the favorite subject of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was the church. He purchased the church with his very life. Do you know it's the only thing that he said that he would build? The term he used means to purchase, design, build, and maintain. Jesus had no such promise or commitment to any other thing on earth. The church is his life's work, his greatest achievement. When the Bible speaks of the church, remember, it always means a people corporately, not singly. It doesn't mean individuals, it doesn't mean a building, and it doesn't mean a program. It's always a community of believers who come to gather in a corporate place. That's what the church is. So for our study, we're going to be looking over, and you don't have to go there, in Paul's writings to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was a coastal city in Greece that was known for its temple to the goddess Artemis. Paul preached there on one of his mission trips, and the church was established. As was his custom, he wrote letters to the leaders of the church, which were then read to the entire church. His letters always contained theology, correction, and practical application. See, when you come to the church, it's not just about, well, I've come just so I can hear some music and the preacher preach a message. It's so that you can hear practical keys to your life to help you to be productive, to help you to be effective, so that we can make a difference in our world. Amen? So it's about everyday life. It's not some high in the sky thing. It's about everyday life that you and I need help with and assistance. And God's got an answer for all of this. So Paul had preached there. And Paul's Paul's disciple Timothy had pastored the church of Ephesus. Now over in chapter 2 in one of Paul's letters to the church, Paul begins with this portion. Now, therefore... He has just established that we, the church, are the now, therefore. Amen? And we, the church, are what? Saved by grace through faith, not by works. We're brought near to God through the blood of Christ. We, the church, have peace with God through Christ. We have access to God by his Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to have her put this scripture up for you in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Because I'm going to read this whole thing because this really helps to put it all in place. Because I'm going to do it out of the Message Bible. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home, He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and not what He is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, now He's using you, fitting you brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. I don't know about you, but that's pretty good news. See, and if you're here today and maybe you say, well, I don't know. Am I part of that family? Well, it's easy because all you have to do is just say, Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I don't want to do this thing by myself anymore. I want to do it with you and connect with him and believe and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And guess what? Amen. You'll begin to have a different life. You become immediately into the family of God. You get a new DNA. You get a whole new start over. Amen. That's just awesome. Amen. So um, that just to think that God is the cornerstone that holds us all together. That's why. Why do you think the world, the enemy, fight the church so much? because, see, they know there's power in numbers. They know that there is strength when a people will come together and they cry out to one God, but their sole purpose is, my life has now been changed. Now let me go tell others about what God has done for me. See, and there's power in that. But see, every time you come together and we meet, see, there's something being imparted to you and me. There's a happening that is happening. There's revelation. There's wisdom. There's an impartation that cannot happen out there by yourself. Cannot happen just in your home. Cannot happen just listening to a TV preacher. And there's lots of good words are just happening on a CD. God talked about the church. Why? Because there was something he said that when we gather, see, not individually, He said when we come together corporately as a people, there's something that happens that doesn't happen any other time. See, and together we're better. We're stronger. We're a family. So we're here. uh, So here are some of our talking points about this study. We are citizens of the kingdom. We are members of God's family. We are God's house. When we gather. Now, did you notice all the key words in that were we, you and me, we. It didn't say I, all by myself. It said we, us, when we come together. And like I shared in the beginning, the, uh, the words the Lord had given me when I was writing this down, it said vital, critical to the fullness of life, living life to its fullest that I have for you is the key of being in a church and being together as a family The common thread in all of that is we. The church is never me. It is always we. It is us. So let's drill down into just a couple more things. The first one is we are citizens of the kingdom. Again and again, we hear Jesus use the term kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? Is it a physical, geographical place on earth? When Jesus uses the term, he is speaking of the reign of God, the expression of the authority and the will of God. Listen to this statement by Jesus. If I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. When Jesus cast out demons or healed the sick or opened the eyes of the blind or caused the lame to walk or raised the dead... He was saying, this is what life is like when my father's in charge. When we come together and believe that God is able and that God will use you and me. This is what it should look like. This is how he intended it to be. Your life, my life, coming into the church, being fed the word of God and then taking it out there and going and telling those that don't know or maybe that have been misinformed to go tell the good news. This is the way life should look like. He was demonstrating what life is like under the reign of God, in the kingdom of God. See, before anything else, before your political, you know, whether you're Democrat, Republican, whether you're white, black, brown, whatever, before any of that, it's all about the kingdom of God. None of that matters. It's the kingdom of God. It's the first and the foremost thing believers are in this world but not of this world our citizenship is in the kingdom of god see too many of us have gotten confused why because we haven't been in a church we haven't been connected we haven't become connected throughout what we do is we come we visit we hop here and there we go all around but there's never any connection so just like in the natural you know you can take a pot and they, you buy it, and it's a little five-gallon pot. But they tell you, now look, this intense, though, this particular plant needs to grow to be a tree. So in order for it to grow, you're going to have to take it out of that pot, quit moving it around to different places, dig a hole, put it in the ground, and make it permanent. Give it a permanent home. Because when it gets a permanent home, now, instead of having temporary roots or getting bound, root bound, if you've ever seen a pot that stay, a plant that stays in a pot too long or that was not intended to stay there because its maturity was to grow bigger, it will become root bound. And in some cases, it stunts it, and in some cases, it dies. So God's saying, take that plant out, now get planted. When you get planted in a house, in the church, now your roots can grow deep. Now you become Permanent. And when you become permanent, you're in a whole new different level now. Because now you'll experience things you've never experienced. You'll hear things you've never heard. You'll see things you've never heard. You'll become what God intended you to be. You'll be able to get to your destiny in a fullness of God the way he intended it. Not just partial, but fullness. The church is the embassy of the kingdom of God. The function of an embassy is representing a nation. Sending it in all affairs. Protecting the interest of, sending, of the sending nation and its citizens. Advancing the interest of the sending nation. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, it says that we are Christ's ambassadors. So we need to act like it. Okay? He set us up as his ambassadors. The church is a visible, tangible expression of the kingdom of God. And what's the church? Not a building, not a program, not somebody all sitting all solo at their house. No, it is when we come together as a community of believers and we corporately gather for the kingdom of God, for the sole purpose of what? Worshiping our God, hearing from our Father, and then going out and being, and making a difference in our world. The church demonstrates the will of, In the reign of God to the world. The church cares for its own, first and foremost, but also for any within its power to help. In Galatians 6.10, it tells us that, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. If you can't be good to one another in here, if you can't respect and honor God and his children in here and lift one another up in prayer and love each other when you do good or bad or when they do good or bad, but we still love at all times, how in the world do you think you're going to go out there to somebody that may talk to you worse than they're talking to you in the church, upset you, say some really bad things, how are you going to love them if you can't first love and hear? So the church demonstrates the will and the reign of God to the world. We need to be good demonstrators. We need to be the demonstration of love. The church cares for its own first and foremost. So remember that. The church's primary task and advancement of the kingdom of God in the earth. In Luke 19 and 10 it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Peace be with you, in John 20 and 21. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. God did not say, give your heart to Jesus, get saved, become a Christian, however you want to term it. Then come and get your little self in here, sit your little butt down, never do nothing. Just suck it up, suck it up, get all you can. You know, what's that, what they say, my name's Jimmy and give me all you can or give me all you can or something. But anyway, or I'll take, you know... All you give me. But then you never do nothing with it. But what's going to happen? You're going to be like that little tree that's sitting in that uh, five-gallon little bucket. And eventually you're either going to get all root-bound and become stunted. Or you're going to dry up and die spiritually. You know. So he said to go. He said, I am sending you. That means you and me. You. You. We're to go do greater. He talked about us doing the greater things, doing more than he ever did. When he talked about raising the dead and opening up blind eyes and healing the lame, my goodness. We should be seeing that. He said that we would do greater things. But we have to be active. We have to be involved. Guess what? He needs a people. He needs a vessel. He needs somebody that will say yes and amen. He needs somebody that will say, I'm willing. I'll do whatever it takes, God. It's your first, then your house and your people, and then you'll, make, you'll help me with everything else. I'll have more time then for my family and for my job and for my career, whatever I want to do if I got my priorities right, see? Because God said to go, but he said take care of the family first and love them in here, become a permanent people, get involved, sow of your time and energies. Everybody should be doing something. In the house of God. Everybody should be doing something. Just think about when you came up as a kid, whether you were by yourself in the family or you had a large family, eventually as you came a certain age, somebody, everybody had to do something. Okay? You might only had to pick up your plate or maybe you were responsible for picking up, you know, your clothes. But you had to do something in your house. How much more do we not treat and honor and respect the house of God? How much more... Should we be running to saying, God, what can I do? What an awesome privilege to serve. And the benefits, I'm telling you, they far exceed anything you're getting at your earthly job. They far exceed anything your mate or anybody else could do for you. The benefits that God has for you far exceed anything. When we say, God, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to serve your people and I'm going to work in your house. What can I do? Be Jesus with skin on. Amen. In Mark 16, 15, he said, and then he told them, go. Literally, as you are going into all the world and preach, demonstrate and declare the good news to everyone. Be Jesus with skin on. The last and final thing, as Pastor Ron comes, this is what we're going to call is our action step. This is a challenge for everybody. To find somebody this week and show God's love to them somehow, in some way. Did you know that maybe it could be saying thank you to them after they've been rude to you and they never said thank you to you when you go through the drive-thru window? They don't even give you a smile or nothing, but you say thank you. Have a nice day. Have a blessed day. Maybe it's sometimes just giving somebody a smile when they've been looking ugly at you, talking about you at your work, but turn around and give them a smile. Maybe it's just that kind gesture of when you see somebody in front of you, or I mean behind you, and they've got two things and you've got 25. Turn around and say, here, why don't you go in front of me? Maybe it's that person that you see in the parking lot and you're getting ready to pull up to the spot and you've been praying and believing and circling and saying, God, I don't want to walk. And there's this front spot and all of a sudden you see this other person pull up. And you say, You know what? Wave them in there. Take it. Just go ahead. Maybe it's the last card in the grocery store. You're running in there panting and oh, God, snatch it up and you look over. And there's somebody standing there that maybe needs some kind of just sign of some kindness. And you go here, take my cart. I'm telling you people, we make this thing so complicated. And we get all, you know, wooey and a bunch of stuff. And we forget about the practical that Jesus said, go. You go into all the world. Be my example. Be my Jesus with skin on. Lead with Jesus in your life. When you've had a rough day, and look, everybody has them. Go through things in life that are not right, that are not fair. But pray and trust God. Because God will be your friend and your comforter. Because you know something that the rest of the world don't know. That you've got a faithful friend. See, and you know how you learn these things and you become better at these things? In the church. With your family. We get to learn on one another. Have patience with your church family. You know, just like you have to sometimes with your natural family. Say, God, help me to be a better person. Instead of always praying about them, maybe we need to say, you know, Lord, help me. What can I do better? What can I do different? Take part in what God's doing in your church. See, a lot of times we run around and we say, well, you know, they're doing this here and they're doing that there, and boy, they got a bunch of great stuff and big programs. But you know what? We could have that here too if you'd help. See, we're always running around talking about what's better everywhere else. No more different in your job or in your home. You do something. You volunteer. You say, well, I'll help to make a difference. Well, then I can help in that area. No wonder why they can't do it because they don't have enough help. Well, then I'll start helping. I'll become one of them permanent people. I'll become a planted person so that I can be of some help. And as I'm serving God, serving my family, serving the church, then guess what? I'm telling you the blessings will begin to pour out. But God says, why don't you help where I planted you? Where have I blessed you? Where have I healed you? Where have I made you whole? Where have I always been there for you? When no one else was In your church In your church family So why not get some roots planted And help in your church In your family So that you can see the others coming God said I'm waiting to send them But I just need more laborers Become a laborer Become a servant And you'll be blessed Take part in what we're doing here And get planted Because then growth comes Wisdom comes Because strength comes in numbers See, you know, when a person's out there by themselves, there's not much strength. But when we come together, see, no devil in hell can break the bonds of when a family and a church come together and say, You know what, God, we're going to serve you, we're going to serve each other, and then we're going to go get them all and bring them in. Everybody that's supposed to be in here, God. Become a permanent people. Partake in God's blessings and all that he has for you. Remember what we say around here is that we say people for our life. And we take that very seriously. It's not just a pretty slogan because we truly believe that there are people for my life. But I got to go give my life away. First, I have to
1: come in here,
0: get planted, get connected, give my life to my church family. Then God will give me instructions and wisdom to go out there and give my life away out there to them. And then, guess what? They'll be attracted. They'll want to know, where do you go to church? What is it about you? See, remember, he very clearly said it was not about a building. It was not about programs. Those things are important, though. We need to represent God well. But guess what? It takes people. It takes money. And it takes time. And it takes you and me coming together and saying, I'm going to do my part. No part's too small and no part's too great. But all of us together, when we all do our part, oh my gosh, I'm telling you, there's a powerful thing. God has prophesied and prophesied over this house many a times about that he was going to fill it up, bringing people in to be healed and made whole, people that have been broken and discarded and thrown away. God said, I'm going to send them to you because I know you'll take care of them. I know you'll care for them. I know you'll be good to them and you'll love them. But he just needs more of us. But as we begin to become permanent ourselves, then you can go out there and recruit. Just like I'm going to put in a little pitch here for our small groups, our life groups. Okay? Everybody in this church should be going to one of those groups. Amen? Every leader needs to be having one or be partaking in one. But what those small groups do, that's not just so we can do something else, people. Think about it. It's a vital organ of this church. Just like you have organs in your body to survive. And if you lose one of them, it could be very critical. And in some cases, depending on the organ, it could be a matter of life and death. Well, these small groups or life groups are to help you to come in. Because it's so hard here. A lot of times we come, and then right after church, everybody's got to go. We run out. And then you think, well, you know what? I've seen that person in here. You know, we've been here for 12 years. Some of you have been here from day one. But you might look around and they go, well, you know what? Gosh, I don't even really know where they live. I don't know if they're married, if they got kids. Well, that's what these small groups and life groups do. They help you to become in a more personal uh, uh, atmosphere so that you can get to know one another. But Because um, that's vital. See, connection. Because then... You might find out, oh my goodness, I didn't know. You know what? We could help in this area. I didn't know. I thought I was the only one that had a heart for that. That's so why I haven't said anything. Come to find out. You connect with somebody else and they go, well, I'll help you in that. Let's, let's do this together. So I'm telling you, there's so many things that happen on a smaller scale that cannot happen in the church. Get connected. Get planted. Begin to say, I love my church. Now, we have a little bucket up here and there's some cards in the front there. And we usually do this especially for this time of year because on those cards, it will ask you, is there anything you'd like to help? Is there an area you would like to volunteer in? And we're asking you during these, this month, really seriously, if you're not doing something, say, where could I help? Or where could I do more? Where, or maybe you could write on there, and we'd love this, where do you need help? Where are you really lacking? Because just how how many of you know, too, sometimes at a job, a job posting comes up for one thing. Everybody wants that job because that seems like the perfect job. But then there's this other job over here. So you got, you know, 50 people that applied for that one. Well, guess what? Only one's going to get it. But maybe if you said, okay, if I don't get that one, but I'll go ahead and take this one because eventually it'll open up the door for something else. It may not be the one I want. It may not be what I really want to do, but I'm going to help here because they have a need. So much more in God's house. Sometimes we have to just say, you know what? What needs to be done, I'll be glad to do it. And then guess what? God said, I make room. I exalt you. I'll open up the door then. If there's something different in your heart or you have a a certain area of ministry that you'd really, really like to help in, you know, but if they, you know, have... You know, uh, five workers all working with a certain age of kids And we got one with the little tiny ones What is that maybe telling you? Huh? Well, we don't need another one over here We need one over here With this age group And some of you say, oh God, but you know oh God. Look, they're not going to hurt you They're not going to attack you Some of them are only two, three, four feet tall It'll be alright, okay Pray God will help you It's only for a short time But I'm going to tell you, there's great, great reward for those that sow into our children's ministry. I'm going to tell you that. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.